Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and that makes this Stuff You Should Know, the podcast, the um, saturated podcast this week. Super saturated, bloody podcast. Yep. I don't know why this came to mind. I, I didn't see any flood that happened on the news. It just, I think I happened across it searching randomly, and I thought, eh. It's a good one. Yeah, we covered that one yet. Flooded stuff always creeps me out. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it goes back to um, my days in Toledo as a young boy. Mm-hmm. Um, many times growing up in my house on um, Beverly Drive, there were there, the mommy would flood, and um, my basement would flood as a result. And sometimes it would come all the way up to like the top step. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I just think about like all my dad's tools down there, like underwater when yeah. they weren't supposed to be. Right. It was just really creepy because you just open the door and step on the landing and then there's just water. You can kind of see like the top couple of steps that was, you know, suggested all the other stuff that was down there. <laughs> right. So I think since then I've always like been fascinated and creeped out by the idea of things that are supposed to be above ground submerged. Agreed. Like ships, when we talked about the Bermuda Triangle, like a plane oh, ships. Yeah, sure. down there in the trench, never to be found. Like, Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah. Same thing with floods, man. It didn't. It doesn't creep me out like that, but I get it. Okay. All right. So, um, Chuck. Yes. Yeah, I take it you are familiar with flooding. I am. Do you remember the one in '94 down in Albany, the Great Flood, the Flint River flood? No. Oh man, it was all over the news. Like there were like um, in Albany, Georgia. Yeah, I don't remember that. There were caskets. Like 400 caskets were loosed. And wow. were just kind of floating around. They were they had this weird tendency to congregate toward trees or around trees, and um, they so people started lashing them to that because they had to have a court order wow. to even grab the caskets. But apparently, it was the second worst cemetery disaster really? in the United States. Couldn't find the first worst. Nineteen ninety four. Oh, I was in Athens at the time. I was I was not up on uh, news. It was a big. It was a big, big thing. I'm surprised, but it was really creepy. You can see pictures of like caskets just kind of floating around. Wow. Um, yeah, they, they recently found a human skull that they think was part of the remains that was moved by the flood. Jeez. Yeah. yeah it's amazing gross. how out of the news loop I was while I was in college. Yeah. Because it was pre-internet. Yeah. I didn't get the paper. Mm-hmm. I was in college. Who gets the paper and reads it? I knew people who sold the paper. I didn't have TV. So... Yeah, I knew about class and working at Mexicali Grill and <laughs> sleeping late and all of the kinds of things that I can't talk about. That's awesome. <laughs> I remember the Gulf War that happened. Well, because of that internet that um, came after your college years, like two decades after your college years, <laughs> um, you can see video of the news footage from 1994, so you're fine. I'll it's check like it out. Stepping back in time. I will do so. Well, let's talk about flooding, Chuck. Um, first. I guess to understand floods, we need to, to give a brief primer of the hydrological cycle. Yes, we do. If you ask me. Uh, there's been about the same amount of water on Earth for a long, long time. Yeah, I thought this was fascinating. Yeah, but it hasn't always been in the same place as we know. No, and 
it's not it's not the same water necessarily. Right. There's a constant loss and gain of water. Yeah, every day you lose water obviously to the atmosphere. Yeah, where like um uh the solar rays and other cosmic radiation just blasts water vapors into like nothing. <laughs> You're gone. You're but no longer water, sorry. As that is going on, volcanic activity in the core or not the core necessarily, but in the inner earth mm-hmm. is releasing water. And it about balances out on a day-to-day basis. But did you know that volcanoes release water? Sure, after I read this. Yeah, we <laughs> even did a How Volcanoes Work podcast, and I don't remember talking about it releasing water. But I don't either. When water is generated or introduced into the upper earth and the atmosphere, it comes from volcanoes. Thank 60% God. 60% of uh, volcanic gas is water vapor. So it about it balances out on a day-to-day basis, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Almost as if it's happening that way for a reason. I know. Are you familiar with the anthropic principle? No. What's that? We'll talk about it sometime. All right. Oh, it's not directly relating to this? No. It's about the concept of why everything is so falling and has fallen so perfectly into place. Right. That we are able to notice this and say, wait a minute, it almost seems like we're supposed to be here. Right. And the anthropic principle is like, yeah, and there's like five million other worlds out there that didn't happen like that. So Uh we aren't there to say, gotcha. wow, it's almost like everything fell in, into place, so we're supposed to be here. Interesting. Yeah. Well, see, you just told me about it right now. <laughs> Done. Tricked you. Uh, water can be all around the earth in three different forms, as everyone knows. You have liquids, rivers, oceans, lakes, uh, rain. Solids, we've talked about, and this this kind of collects a lot of our podcast in a way, like the clouds, and, the, and now we're talking about the uh, Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Lots of frozen water, the in Antarctica. that case, at the poles, the Antarctica. Or uh, it can be gas, which is water vapor in the air. Yes. And it's all moved around by the wind, thanks right. to the sun. And remember, I can't remember which podcast we talked about it in, whether it was the sun or clouds or something, but uh-huh. wind is created by um, the exchange of air. It's warm air is heated at the surface and rises. Yes. Cooler air rushes in to fill that vacuum. Yeah. There's your wind, pal. Yeah, and then, well, once that warm air rises, though, it's also going to get colder and form little droplets of water, which form together to form clouds, which we went over in fluffy little clouds. Right, yeah, because the the sun um, heats the ocean surface. That evaporates, like you said, it rises, forms clouds, and then eventually those clouds become pregnant. With rain. And rain falls down, right? That's right. As the rain falls down, it fills waterways, rivers, streams, that kind of thing. Underground waterways. Aquifers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, some of it does go to fill aquifers, and that's storage. But the vast majority of it makes its way back to the oceans where the process begins again. And everything is complete in the circle of life. That's right. The cool thing here is wind is pretty consistent across the globe, Wherever you live, your weather is pretty consistent. You might think if you live in Atlanta, like, oh, that's crazy. In December here, it's 65 degrees. But by and large, if you look at the big picture, your weather systems are pretty consistent on a day-to-day basis. Although, in the case of flooding, anything can happen on any given day to knock things out of whack. Right. So you have um, a storm comes about, a thunderstorm, and you're like, wow, it's a pretty bad storm. Um, a, because you are capable, your area is capable of experiencing a storm, your area is capable of experiencing a freak storm, like a huge thunderstorm sure. that dumps so much precipitation on on the ground in such a short amount of time that these normal 
waterways that have been formed to hold the normal amount of water become overwhelmed. The water fills up, spills over the banks, and there's your flood. Yeah, and that's the key, what you just said there, is these waterways, they form over a great, great period of time. You don't, a river doesn't just spring up over the course of a year because there's a lot of rain. It takes like several years. Yeah. It takes a long, long time to sort of get a feel, I guess, of how much rain there is generally. And so this is how big I'm going to be if I'm a river in Georgia. Exactly. This is all I need to be, except for the freak occurrence in, oh my God, now it's a flood. But then after the flood, it goes right back to where it was before. It's not... Rivers don't tend to plan their size for the worst case scenario. There you go. They're very lazy. That's a great way to say it. <laughs> lazy, lazy rivers. Um, so, like we said, the the most common cause, the one that people are most familiar with, um, the most common cause of flooding is um, a large storm that allows a, a an anomalous accumulation of precipitation. Yeah, where the rain could be uh, melting ice. From a mountain or snow. Yeah. But uh, rain is the one we think about most often. And like you said, because weather patterns are pretty um, pretty stable yeah. over time, um, in a lot of places, depending on the season, you're going to get anomalous normal precipitation, right? Like monsoons. Seasonal flooding. Right. So with the monsoon, um, you have, in the wintertime, the air over the land is colder than the air over the ocean. Yes. So the air over the ocean is rising and the air over the land is moving out to fill it up. So that means the wind is blowing out toward the ocean. That's right. Uh, In the summertime, the opposite is true. And so the wind is blowing in toward the land and that brings with it the monsoon rains. Yeah, brings with it water. And this annual monsoon flooding, um, we talked about it. We didn't call it that because... We're not that smart, but in the how the Nile River works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was it's a was and still is a very big part of their uh, how they thrived over the years. Was they knew that the Nile would flood each year and extend the water out, and when it waters receded, it left a nice fertile banks on which to live and plant foods. Right. And remember, we talked about some of the problems from the Aswan Dam and other dams that they built along the Nile. To control flooding, basically say, we're going to release this amount of water so yeah. we can go crops year-round and people aren't going to lose their houses to the Nile flooding every year. Um, that is actually one of the big causes of flooding, too. Dam breaks. Yeah. Did you see that dam video I sent you? I didn't have a computer. You didn't look. You didn't see it on your... It was Flash. Uh, <laughs> it's really neat. I'll look at it later. I can't remember the name of the dam, but it's in Washington State. And in October of this year, um, it had like a controlled demolition. And they just blew a hole in the bottom. Wow. And all of a sudden, this water surge comes pouring out and fills this area up. And then it starts to recede. And you see the water behind the dam just start to go down as the water in front of the dam starts to go up. It's really neat looking. i have to check that out. Yeah. Uh, or if you're from Pennsylvania or a historian, then, of course, you know about May 31st, 1889, the Johnstown Flood. Um, and it wasn't just Johnstown, by the way. It's known as the Johnstown Flood, I think, because that was the, the largest town that it flooded. Yeah. But it was, uh, I think, 14 miles upstream from Johnstown was the South Fork Dam. 
and it hit a couple of towns on the way. Finally hit Johnstown, uh, six to ten inches of rain in 24 hours, to the tune of a 60-foot wall of water going 40 miles per hour. Wow. Rushed through town. Uh, 20 million tons, not gallons, 20 million tons of water. And it was the first big disaster relief effort by the Red Cross. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I got a number of 2,209 deaths, uh, 17 million in damages, which would be over $400 million today. Wow. Like close to a half a billion in damages. Wow. And uh, Springsteen fans might remember that from the song Highway Patrolman. He sings about the Johnstown flood. Really? Yeah. That guy. That's He's dude. a folk hero, isn't he? <laughs> He's all over it. Uh, we also remember we talked about in uh, the human-caused earthquakes episode, the Viant Dam oh, yeah. in Italy. Uh, a landslide caused a wave to go over the dam and killed 2,000 people. That seems to be the number when a dam breaks or yeah. a breach, 2,000 people die. You know what downstream. I think is cool is after having done like 400-plus shows, like the, our world is starting to narrow a bit. Yeah. You know what's really crazy? What? Is we've already had this discussion. Oh, really? And now we've come back to having it again. Really? That's really narrow. Well, I just think it's cool when you do a podcast on flooding, and it's also one about the Nile and clouds right. and volcanoes. And, I mean, we're still a sun, long way from covering. The yeah, the sun. We're a long way from covering everything. But uh, our worldview is narrowing in a good way. I know. We're like Mennonites. <laughs> um, land plays a big part. Because, you know, you can have a lot of rain, but depending on what kind of land it's falling on, it's going to affect how much it floods, if it floods at all. Like the the soil in the middle of a forest is going to really soak up a lot of water. Uh, hard clay or rock or obviously concrete and asphalt aren't going to soak up much, if anything. So that's going to lend itself to flooding. Yeah, and um, agricultural lands, croplands that have been tilled, they're more prone to flooding than woodlands. Do yeah, you want to know, know why? Yeah, why? I was wondering. You got that? We're about to circle right back again, buddy. Okay. Two earthworms. Ah. That's exactly why. That's why woodlands don't flood like farmland. Because there's more uh, little passageways from earthworms? Yes. And if you till cropland, if you till the land, uh-huh. it has a, um, a deleterious effect on the earthworm population. Are you still population. saying that word like that? Yes. Uh, the earthworm population in the area, they basically leave, they take off, or else yes. they're cut in a bunch of pieces. So It does have a very why. deleterious effect. Deleterious. Deleterious. <laughs> what are you, is it species? Do no, I know? was wrong on you that one. You got called out big time. It's species. It's deleterious. It's not deleterious. <laughs> um, so talk about species. Species. I, I was wrong on species because it's there are two acceptable ways of saying that. No, there's a right way, species. No, no, no. If, wrong you, if way. you look it up, it says species or species. I can't say anything. I can't even keep track of um, the difference between I and <laughs> I and me. Concrete and asphalt, which I mentioned, Josh. Here in the Western world, there's a lot of that going on. If you go to a city like L.A., which I lived in, as you know, uh, they have these concrete flood relief channels built in. Yeah, you don't even have to go to L.A. You can travel there via the movie Grease. Oh, the, like the L.A. River Basin? Is that what that is? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that uh, is in T2. It's in the movie Them. And these, the, the you know, the where they have the, the car yeah. race. Yeah. They call it the L.A. River, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, before they paved it with concrete, um, they used it for the canoe scenes in a lot of the Tarzan movies in the 30s. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
it's all just smoke and mirrors. Yes, it is. Mash was in Malibu, for God's sakes. Yeah. Um, levees, Josh, are another reason it can flood, uh, as we all saw with the disaster with uh, Katrina in New Orleans. When the levee breaks, as Robert Plant said... you got no place to stay. No, you don't. And do you remember earlier this year when they purposefully opened the uh, Morganza Spillway? Yeah, basically they sacrificed some local cropland for a lot more downriver. Yeah, and that's Which one is, of the points. Like in this. the reverse of the, the thinking usually, or it ha- well, yeah. has been historically. Well, that's the point they make about all levees, though, is generally they're great for that area, but there's generally there's going to be a problem on down the line at some point. Well, the same thing with um, concrete storm basins. It's the same. It's you're you're basically just saying, all right. Let's get the water through here, and then when like the tax base problem. runs out at yeah. your county line, you handle it, yeah. and here's your flood county b- beneath us. Well, what I couldn't find about the Morganza Spillway was the the effect. Like, I saw like a hundred articles on the fact that they're going to open it up, and then the only article I found post uh, releasing like I think it was first time since 1973 they mm-hmm. opened up a lot of these gates was. Like a week after, they said, well, it doesn't look like it's going to be as bad as they thought, and that's all I found. If it's the one I'm thinking of, it was a huge cluster uh, that was on the Army Corps of Engineers. They 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 created a, an incorrect estimate, and it really screwed up a lot more land than they thought. Oh, really? If it's the same one I'm thinking of. It was this year or last year? Yeah, it was spring when uh, the, the rivers were rising, yeah. and they said... We can't devastate New Orleans again, right? So we're going to open up a lot of these gates, like up in like Missouri or something, right? No, no, no. It was in Louisiana. Okay. Well, there was one in Missouri where they they let this levee loose um, and flooded some cropland, and it ended up like screwing things up all the way down to like or over to like Tennessee. Wow. And I can't remember. So I guess that's those are two different stories. So if you live in Louisiana, I'd like to know the effect, because I know they said it wasn't as bad as they thought, but I couldn't really get a pinpoint of the damage. And I want to know what happened in Missouri, okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk about the coastline. Yeah, and we didn't mention, by the way, um, hurricanes, too. Yeah, and tsunamis. Yeah, tsunamis, hurricanes, big problems um, as far as uh, creating flood conditions. That's right. But yeah, the coastline, um, you're talking about levees and dams. They fall into man-made ways of diverting water to other people's problems. Yeah. Um, and we figured out ways of, I guess, protecting our beautiful coastlines from Mother Nature. And that's building walls, basically, sea yeah. walls. It's like, ha- have your worst waves. You're not going to erode this beach. But the problem is, is the whole process of erosion is part of creating and, and keeping beaches healthy. Yeah, and beautiful. Yes. Uh, I remember I used to go to Hunting Island, South Carolina when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and my mom went not too long ago, and she said that they have actually, like the whole coastline is different now from when I was a kid. Really? They have they had to move a lighthouse inland because it had eroded so much, but they just, you know, they let it happen because it is a natural part of beaches, and it's a natural, like, oceans, beaches, rivers, they're all dynamic. Right, exactly. You know? They're all going to move earth and water, and that's just the way it's supposed to be. And when humans step in to try and prevent that, bad things can happen. Well, and we try to prevent it because we tend to settle near water. It's um, 
Beach Easy runners. transportation. Yeah, but living on the beach is nice. Well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, even with the river too, it's like there's your cropland. Yeah. There's your uh, easy uh, access to irrigation, easy transportation, um, food, water, obviously. Yeah. So we need to live near water. And then when these natural processes happen and takes our houses away, we're like, okay, let's figure out how to how to solve this. And sometimes the solution is just kind of exacerbates the problem. That's right. Or creates a new one. Yeah. So we just got to figure things out. I think we're working on it. Okay. Uh, this is one really cool part I thought was you always see how, you know, a flood floodwaters will wash a car away or something. Yeah. And it doesn't even look like that much water. Yeah. And you think, you know, I, I, drove, my, I drive my truck like through a river in the North Georgia mountains and you just plow right through it. Yeah. And that's like twice as deep. And really rushing river. You say, take that nature. Yeah, take that nature. But uh, the difference here is, I thought this is really interesting, is is water, what water wants to do is level itself out. Mm-hmm. So when you've got a lot of water from a flood in a place where there's previously no water at all, it's going to want to find its level as soon as possible by rushing really hard. So it's just going to be a lot more force yep. than the steady stream of a river. It's really as easy as that. That's all there is to it. So like a couple of feet of water can wash a car away. Two feet. Two feet of water in a flood condition, uh, where it's rushing from one, from a higher, higher level to a lower level. That's great. Balance out can wash a car away. That's nutty. And six inches under those conditions can knock a human off his or her feet. And that's how people die in a flood. Well, I think, uh, half, half of the deaths associated with most floods are from people trying to ford a rushing um, uh, water in their car spillway in their car. Yeah. That's the problem because you get carried out and you're in your car and you're trapped and that's that. That's sad. It's very sad. Uh, Flash flooding, the most dangerous of all floods. Yeah. This jogged my memory when they was talking about, um, Big Thompson Canyon, Colorado. I think we might have hit on that at some point because it jogged my memory too. You want you want to talk about it? Well, yeah. In 1976, uh, July 31st, Colorado was celebrating its uh, centennial, and at about five or six o'clock, it started to rain, and it was a really weird thunderstorm that didn't move. It just planted itself for four hours over uh, Big Thompson Canyon, mm-hmm. rained 12 inches in four hours. And that's how much that area gets in a year, usually. Apparently. I mean, yeah, that's crazy, in four hours. And uh, t- a 20-foot high uh, rush of river going about 14 miles an hour uh, by 9 p.m. washed through the canyon, and it was so, like, out of nowhere, which is what a flash flood is. It's not like, hey, you know, with the Johnstown flood, they had warnings, even though people didn't heed them. Right. And most of the times, you know a flood's coming. But with a flash flood, they were just, like, trapped. Plus, there there also just happened to be thousands of campers down there celebrating the centennial of Colorado. It was uh, well the perfect storm. But the 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 river that feeds the canyon normally, Big Thompson River, um, is apparently normally pretty slow moving. The old big steady. Team. But because of this flash flood, it was dumping two hundred thirty three thousand gallons, eight hundred eighty two thousand liters of water into the canyon per second. Per second. So that's a lot. So basically a flash flood is like a flood, but it's even more concentrated, and the water's moving even more violently. That's crazy. Uh, I, I got the number between 100 and 
39 to 145 dead. Five were never seen again. Jeez. 400 cars, 420 houses, and 40 million, which would be about 150 million today. Yeah. And interestingly, in three years ago, this one guy was found alive in Oklahoma that they thought died. He got, he left town that morning and like didn't tell people. <laughs> and I think they were, the key came up in records and they, he was like, no, I'm, I'm out here in Oklahoma. I'm, I'm just fine. Yeah. I didn't, he didn't even realize that he was on the death list. Weird. Yeah. Wow. But they still, every July 31st, they still uh, pay remembrance, obviously, in Colorado. Good for them. Yeah. Um, There's also, I mean, you think about cars being washed away and people being knocked off their feet and being flooded in canyons. But there's also a lot of problems with flooding after the fact. Sure. Like a flood brings with it a lot of silt and mud and nastiness. Sewage. Sewage. And um, when the floodwaters recede, once again... Um, all that stuff sticks around. Yeah. Apparently, Florence, Italy, uh, suffered a pretty big flood on the um, Arno River, right? Yeah, 1966. And Florence, of course, is a, one of the great repositories of Renaissance art. Yeah. And a lot of the repositories in that repository were basements and for stories. And that stuff got flooded. And apparently, they got a lot of the stuff back to at least good quality. A lot of it, but there were. I looked up. Um, there were six hundred thousand tons of mud and sewage. Oh my god! After they left, fourteen thousand works of art and a hundred. Um, sorry, three to four million books and manuscripts and records. And I don't know how many out of the fourteen thousand were restored, but I bet it wasn't thirteen five hundred. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because a lot of the stuff was completely destroyed. That's. That's awful. Yeah, it's very sad. At least invading hordes didn't set it on fire on purpose. Yeah, also killed about 100 people. Yeah. Which you always hear about the artwork. Like I had to really research to find the amount of deaths. Really? Yeah. Well, well not that much research, but a few extra clicks. <laughs> I guess. Um, and then disease is another big problem, too. You said sewage, chemicals. Yeah. Um, the deceased all of this uh, oh, yeah. is mixed together. And it's in Albany. That probably was not a fun soup. No. So if you are, uh, if your area is flooded, you want to basically boil any water that you're going to drink or drink bottled water or um, get one of those one uh, air uh, water manufacturers that sucks the water vapor out of the ambient air and converts it to bottled water. Oh, yeah. Did is you it- hear about the Netty pot deaths recently? No. These two people in Louisiana died, and they believe it was from using the neti pot, which I use on a daily basis. And it got they got a, a brain-eating amoeba Gross. into their nasal passage from using contaminated water to neti with. And my friend, you know, I've been netting for like six years every day, and my friend was like, do you about that? Oh, I would do that if I were you. <laughs> I was like, come on, dude. Did like, your friend know that... He sounds like that when you say when you. No, I was him. I was aping him. He sounded much more intelligent than that. Okay, but I'm not gonna stop netting. Well, you have to boil the water at least. Nah, do yourself that favor. I'm not gonna do that. Chuck, brainy <laughs> eating <wait>. amoeba <laughs> would not look good on you. I'll take my chances. All right. Okay. I guess that's it. I got nothing else. Flooding. I got nothing else. Flooding either. You want to call out for anything in particular? Yeah, sure. If you live in Big Canyon or. Uh, or Johnstown, 
or any flood get, story. Yeah, I bet you got some some personal anecdote. Yeah, of um, a family member maybe. Yeah, you can. Uh, oh wait, wait, we haven't done listener mail yet, man. We we're about to jump the gun. Oh, were you? you I thought you were about to announce. I was it. about to uh, like give our email address. Uh, well, if you want to learn more about floods, you can type in floods in the search bar at uh, howstuffworks.com. And I said search bar, so it's Chuck's turn for listener mail. Uh, Josh, I'm going to call this uh, request from uh, Adam to save birds before this bowl. <laughs> request of what? Request from Adam to help save birds before this bowl. Okay. He has he has a, a thing going on, and it ends at this bowl. I gotcha. So we want to get it out. Uh, I come to humbly beg a favor, guys. No, he knows how to get our attention. He said he could apply us with beer if uh, his loyalty is not sufficient. In this case, it is sufficient. I don't know. Beer can be mailed. <laughs> My NGO's fundraiser needs a plug. Uh, we are the Alamos Wildlands Alliance. I'm the research director there, and we are trying to create a uh, reserve in a rare habitat. We also do research and education in a remote part of northwest Mexico. Uh, we run a biological field station called the uh, Navopatia Field Station. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook. And our website is www.com. AlamosWildlands.org. That is A-L-A-M-O-S Wildlands.org. And uh, it's a U.S.-based nonprofit. It's very small, run by volunteers, mostly, he says. Run by birds. Run by birds. And for the second year in a row, they're doing a fundraiser called the Birdathon. And it's like a walkathon, but instead of miles walked, people get pledges for the amount of bird species they see in a given day. Mm-hmm. Uh, my team had 163 last year. Wow. One day. It's pretty good. Uh, it is a fun way to raise money for conservation in a place that is unique and rare. It runs from January 30th to February 5th. Uh, we often have a Super Bird Saturday when most people go out the day before the Super Bowl, which is a football game played here in the United States. <laughs> American football, not European football. Not soccer. Or rest of the world football. Yes. Uh, more teams are always welcome. We have at least eight now, though some have yet to register. And anyone can start their own team or just donate. It's really easy, and it's on our website. Uh, the money goes to a good cause. is tax deductible. And here's something sad, Josh. Uh, the environment and animals only get about 2% of charitable giving worldwide. I have to be honest. I'm surprised that... Wait, that right? The environment? And animals, he says. Hmm. Yeah. So humans get the other 98%? I guess so. Which, you know, char- charitable giving is good no matter what, but... Yeah, forget no. about our furry creatures. It is pretty low. Uh, attached are some pictures of my team, the Luchadors. We wear uh, masks and capes while birding, so kind of ties in nicely. Totally. With the podcast we did on Mexican wrestling. Yeah. Which was not this one. Can we post that picture? Uh, I don't know. I'll check. Okay. And uh, then he has his wife's team. It's called the Boobies, named after the blue-footed booby, a common bird that we have down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, guys, thanks uh, to both of you for helping to make being smart cool again. So please go check out www.alamoswildlands.org and sign up and sponsor someone for this Birdathon Superbird Saturday. Get a team together. Help these guys out. That's awesome. Tweet, tweet. Uh, did you mention the S-Bowl? Did you use the actual name? Because I think we can get in trouble for that. For saying S-Bowl? I don't think you should say it. Really? Yeah. We'll find out. How can we get in trouble? Like, apparently, they actively sue people who use that word. Like, even mentioning it. 
Like remember <laughs> the Simpsons? They never mentioned what they where they were going when they went to that huge football game in Dolly Parton, the episode that Dolly Parton was on. Now I have the halftime of my life. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Exactly. All right, so we can just beep that out, and people will be like, "Small, what's that?" Right. Exactly. Nice. Okay, well, uh, if you have an NGO that you think we'd like to plug, we're happy to do that from time to time. Um, you can tweet to us, especially if it's a bird NGO, uh, at SYSK Podcast. Um, you can send us uh, some sort of message on Facebook at facebook.com slash stuff you should know. And you can send us an email. Remember now, to stuffpodcast at discovery.com. Adios. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?